Worldliness, what does it mean? And why do so many descriptions of it seem to miss the mark? Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. I'm sure you've heard the word worldly. When that word is mentioned, so many different definitions pop up. Well, smoking must be worldly, or dancing must be worldly, or rock music must be worldly. And certainly, the world has a lot of interesting enticements that are designed to tempt us and pull us away from the Father's will. But I would rather give you this definition of worldly, and that is, is it drawing you closer to God, or is it drawing you farther away from Him? This is amazing grace. There's a close relationship between worldliness and sin. One leads to the other. And so for the Christian, both are to be avoided. We'll get some practical help with that today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll find that as we continue in Romans 12, verse 2, along with some other key and related scriptures. Pastor Ed starts off with some worldly pressures that we're up against. You know, there are men and women, many of them working on Madison Avenue, working on ways to influence you through advertising, through commercials, through messages. They're coming at us all the time. I mean, when you think of the messages that you and I see every day, worldly has to be at the top of the list of what they are. They're so ungodly. So many of them don't reflect the love and the grace and the mercy of our God. And we see them all the time. We're bombarded with them. The problem is, is that they don't tell the whole story. The problem is the world never tells you the truth about what's going to happen at the end. I mean, I don't get it. I, I still don't understand why here in Colorado during a football game, they'll put a beer commercial up there filled with half-dressed men and women playing volleyball on the beach. There's not a beach like a thousand miles from here, is there? But no, that's the way. The world says, hey, look, 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 guess what, guess what? If you drink this beer, boy, you're just going to have the greatest time. I mean, look, there's the girl. She's half-dressed. She's got a beer in one hand and hitting the ball with the other one. Isn't she so happy? Oh, ho, ho. And then it ends right there, doesn't it? Go buy our beer. And that's the end of it. But see, the world doesn't tell the whole story. If that commercial could just go 60 seconds more, if they could just take a 60 seconds more, well, what they failed to show us is that that same girl that ended up playing volleyball, getting drunk on the beach, ended up getting into a crash on the way home and killed a person in a DUI crash. Oh, they don't show you that. No, no, no way. That would hurt. That would hurt business. They don't show you that. They don't show you that. Well, the guy that was there, well, the guy that was there was playing volleyball, you know, he didn't get so drunk because he knew the girls were getting drunk. So he started having sex with them. And they didn't show you if they went 60 seconds more that that one girl over there, you know, the shy one that never had drank before, but now she's kind of stepped into it. Well, she ended up getting pregnant. The guy ditched her. Oh, that girl, you know, she, she had plans to go to college. She had plans to move on with her life, and now her whole life is taking a turn, and everything's changed for her. They don't show you that. Mm -mm. They'd never show you that. How about the other girl at the other beach? They went another 60 seconds, so they don't show her. See, she's gotten pregnant before. She's gotten pregnant two or three or four times. 
And instead of choosing to keep the baby, she already knows. She can go down to Planned Parenthood and have an abortion. She's done it before. No big deal for her. And they don't watch her going in. She doesn't care about any boys. She's using the boys as much as the boys were using her. She doesn't care. And they don't show you the atrocities of abortion. They don't go another 60 seconds and show the kind of trauma that a girl goes through for a long, long time because of abortion. And by the way, you know, if you have faced that in your past, you have that decision in your past, you know, there are people here, we have people that would love to serve you and show you the healing that God can give through a decision like that. But I know so many of you are on the front end of your life and you're going to be making decisions right now that you want to avoid. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to believe that kind of stuff. The world's not telling you the truth. It's just simply not telling you the truth to conform you. Oh, it's a happy day on the beach, but for a lot of them, it wasn't happy at all. That's all. They give you that little snippet. They just give you that little picture. You know, for many, many years as Christians, what Marie and I have done and taught our kids to do, they'll just say this. You can avoid so much of the world's influence if you just stop watching commercials. Seriously. If you just stop watching commercials... So much of the world's influence would not be coming into your head. And as an early age, we learned, you know, we have that remote control for the TV. Now, do any of you guys remember, other services didn't, but do any of you remember the old remotes that just made noise? Click, click. Anybody? Am I that old? I remember we used to click, click, and then the dial on the TV, it just had like 10 channels on it. It would go click, click, you know? Well, there's new remotes now. New TVs. And if you've chosen to watch TV in any form, it'd be good for you to learn how there's a button on your remote, most remotes that say video on it, and the idea behind the button is to, to connect your TV to a VCR or a CD or, or a DVD player or whatever, and you click that video button, and if you don't have a DVD on or connected, it just turns the screen black, and it mutes it, and you can kind of learn that after about 60 seconds, 90 seconds, the commercials are off, and you can go back to watching your game or watching whatever you're watching and just kind of continue on without being influenced by the commercials. And now they've invented more than that. Some of you guys have that TiVo thing in your house, right? So that you can just fast forward through the commercials, boom, right straight through. The, like a show that takes an hour to play because it's like 10 minutes, boom, ran right through. <laughs> it's amazing. So that, you know, technology, if you... If you're strong enough in the Lord, you can actually use technology to your advantage. And of course, you know, there's that sense of watching, you know, being careful what you watch, even on TV and being careful with all that stuff. And you know that already. You just walk in the Spirit. The Spirit will give you direction on that. But I'm telling you, it's over and over and over again. This world is pressing and pushing and yelling. And you can't even walk through Safeway without being bombarded by the magazines as you walk out. Have you noticed? Magazines with these women that are also half-dressed, or, or even young men half-dressed. You know, they're speaking to you, but they're also speaking to our kids, saying, this is what you should look like, and this is what you'll look like, and what a great life, and if you don't look like this, then somehow you are not good enough, lying against the truth that our kids, your kids, are precious in the sight of the Lord, no matter what they look like. No matter, oh, they're all airbrushed anyway, man. It's not even true. Teaching our young boys at a very early age, this world does, that women are just objects, so treat them that way. They're just objects. So use them however you want to use them. Treating our young girls saying, you know what, you're an object, so you better make sure as an object you're attractive to the opposite sex, so make sure you wear the right bikini and show this part of your body and do... And it's just, man, guys, teach your kids. Please, teach your kids that they are precious in the sight of God. It doesn't matter what they look like. 
It doesn't matter whether their hair is long or short, whether they wear glasses, whether their body is a different size. or It doesn't matter. Teach your kids that Jesus loves them, period. Because if you're not careful, the world will start pressing them in that mold at a very young age. And it's happening all the time. I mean, for Marie and I, we are already and have been for many years praying for the wives of our boys and the husband of our daughter, man. Because I figure they're already alive somewhere. You know, they're about the same age. And although we probably haven't met them yet, we're praying for them, praying that they're living in a godly home, that they love the Lord Jesus Christ, that they'll take good care and serve my kids and my kids will serve them, already praying in their minds, teaching them at a young age that God has a different route than this world does. And if there's no resistance to the world, then you're just, what's going to happen, you're just going to take off and just float in the waters of this world. And it's overtaking you, little by little, degree by degree. And I'm sure you've heard the word worldly. When that word is mentioned, so many different definitions pop up. Well, smoking must be worldly, or dancing must be worldly, or rock music must be worldly. And certainly, the world has a lot of interesting enticements that are designed to tempt us and pull us away from the Father's will. But I would rather give you this definition of worldly, and that is, is it drawing you closer to God, or is it drawing you farther away from Him? Let me show you what I mean. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, would you please? 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Because you, you might be looking for a list. Well, Ed, give me a list of what's worldly, what's not worldly. I'm not going to give you a list. I'm going to point you to the Holy Spirit through His Word, and you can pray about what's worldly in your life and what's not worldly in your life. I'm not the one that needs to tell you that. God will tell you Himself. And you know, your standard might be different than the person sitting next to you. And you want to be careful. You don't want to impose your standards on someone else. You just want to stand or fall before the Lord. Just like the person next to you stands or falls before the Lord. And you don't want to go pointing around and that's worldly. And this will just listen to what Paul says when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, he says this. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. That would be worldly, wouldn't you agree? If it's not helpful for you in the things of the Lord, it's worldly. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I won't be brought under any bondage from this world. It might be lawful for me. I have this freedom in Christ, but I'm not going there because it's not good for me. It's not going to build me up. Well, flip over first chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, verse 23. Paul extends this. He expands it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, I recognize this. I already see it. I already know it. By now, some of you have already built a wall as if this is some battle with you and me. Like, oh, you know, I've heard these messages before. I don't want to hear it again. Well, you know, you need to hear it again. And so do I. And the world gets your attention all week, constantly. And then for 45 minutes, you, you turn your attention here in the sanctuary toward the things of the Lord. And I have the privilege of sharing the word of God with you. And you, you don't need to build a wall against me. I love you guys. I want to see you grow. I want to see less and less worldliness. You know, because what happens is we go, oh, the world is alive and well in the church today. And in our minds we think, oh, it's some other church, right? It's some church over there. It's the church at large. No, 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 no. It's our church. It's us. Like this is a guard we don't have to have up against one another. It's a guard that we have to have up, well, you have to have up against the world and its system. Because we just think that way. We were raised that way. We might have gotten saved later in life where we got all these bad habits. 
And we still just live for the world and we call it Christian. It's not. It doesn't honor God at all. It doesn't help me. It brings me under its bondage. Look at this, verse 23. All things are lawful for me. Well, let's pause there for a second. Let me get your attention. All things are lawful. You know what? This is the realm where most Christians live. All things are lawful for me. I can do whatever I want. I'm Christian. I'm under grace. I, all things are lawful for me. It really doesn't matter, but the scripture goes on, doesn't it? All things are lawful for me. I mean, it becomes so selfish in our lives. It becomes so self-centered. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. You can circle that word edify, and next to it you could write build up. Not everything I do builds me up. The opposite of building up would be what? Being torn down. So if something's not building me up, then the corresponding work is it's tearing me down. And in the way you and I make our daily decisions, we are either going to make decisions that are going to propel us into worldliness or propel us into godliness. You know, most things in this world are neutral. For instance, a piece of paper with ink, green ink printed on it, it's a neutral thing. We commonly call that money. It's neutral. It sits in your pocket right now, not doing anything. It's neutral. It doesn't talk, doesn't have any actions, doesn't have a mind of its own. But in your hand, that piece of paper can either become a godly instrument or a worldly instrument. It can either be used for great good or it can be used for great sin. I mean, you could take a few bucks and you can score some drugs and now that piece of paper has become very ungodly for you as now you get hooked on drugs and waste your money away. Or that same piece of paper can be invested in a missionary that's serving the Lord around the world that lives from day to day wondering where God's going to provide and God's put your heart there, connected your heart, and that money gets invested in their life and they continue to serve the Lord. Now that piece of paper becomes godly depending on what decision you and I make. The Bible says that money's not the root of all evil. A lot of people have that wrong. Well, money's so evil. No, 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 no. No, the Bible says it's the love of money. You know why? Because you and I were only designed to, to deal with one love at a time, not two. Jesus said it very clearly. He says, no man can serve two masters. Either he'll love the one or hate the other, or he'll hate the one and love no one can. That's been a theme haven't you noticed throughout all our time in Romans chapter 12, just the first couple verses we've been in, it's that constant wholehearted decision. So when you're making decisions, let me give you a few things if you're taking notes to consider when you're making decisions with those neutrality things in your life. Number one, does it build you up spiritually? Because if it doesn't build you up spiritually, you may want to avoid it. It may not be from the Lord. Does it build you up spiritually? Number two, can it bring you under its power? Can it bring you under its power? Because if it can, you may want to avoid it. Number three, does it give you an uneasy conscience? And this is in the realm of those gray areas. You know, it's not quite a sin. It's not quite something that I need to avoid. But is your conscience starting to, and the Holy Spirit takes your conscience and starts to convict you, probably want to avoid it. And number four, and we'll get into this in depth when we study the further chapters in Romans, but number four, is what you're about to do, will it stumble someone else? Like not just thinking about yourself now, because it might be okay for you, but could it stumble someone else? You know, the pastors and the leadership of this church make this decision all the time. Whereas you may not, some of the things that, that are free for me to do may stumble you, and so I purposely choose not to go there so you won't be stumbled in your walk, just to point you to the Lord. 
And I encourage the staff, the leaders, the lay leaders to do the same thing. This is a place where you need to be careful because the standards in my life may not be the standards in your life. I just need to pray that the Lord would minister to you. The Bible says it's the weaker brother that is stumbled. And so you want to be strong. You want to be able to, to be strengthened in the inner man and the inner woman so that you're not easily stumbled. And we'll get into that in depth in the future. But I love what Spurgeon says about the world and its influence on the church. Spurgeon, this great Bible orator, Bible teacher, he says this, I believe one reason why the church of God is, at this time has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. That was true a couple hundred years ago. It's true today. And so we're called to repel the world system's powerful magnetism, to not allow the world to squeeze us into its mold. And I admit, it seems pretty strong and strict not to love anything in the world. I mean, didn't God say he created all things richly to enjoy? Yes, he did. And yet at the same time, we need to be careful with all things that were created because they've been twisted. That's what the word perverted means. It means to twist to take something that was right and twist it into something that's wrong. Where the Bible says in the last days there will be a group of people that call evil good and good evil. That's a twisting of the truth. And I believe we're living in those days, friends, where it's not hard to see good being called evil as believers are standing up for what is right and evil being called good. The world just lies to us constantly. I mean, you've seen it. You've probably heard it. It's a popular phrase. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. How stupid. How ridiculous. That is so not true. You're going to leave Vegas, right? So what you did there is not going to stay there. It's going to go with you. Unless you lost so much money that you had to sell your car, and now you're stuck. A lot of used car lots there, you know. It's a facade, Las Vegas. That's all it is. Down the main strip, it's all flash, it's all glitter, it's all beautiful to the eye. But if you just went one block off the strip, you'd see the lives devastated by that kind of lifestyle, by gambling. You know, a gambler, he could sit at a table and in his mind walk into a casino and say, you know, all I need to do is make X. I've got this much in my pocket, it's gonna take me this many hands, he got it all figured out. And I'm going to walk out. I'm strong enough to walk out. As soon as I make what I need, as soon as I win it back, because I'm so crafty. And every time you walk into a casino, the odds are against you. Just understand that. That's how they stay in business, to take advantage of people that don't know that and don't think that. Oh, it's a cheap vacation, cheap airfare, cheap food, cheap. No, 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 no. It's not cheap at all. It's very expensive to give part of your life to the devil. It's a very expensive way to live. And so a guy can come up to the table and say, you know, all I needed to make is this much money. They have that much money on the table. They want it. You would think it's time to get up and leave, right? No. No, because there's always a little bit more to win. And instead of winning all that they thought they needed, they lost what they had and what they started with, and they leave in a worse condition than when they went in. Oh, no, that's just for the worst of the worst. How does the worst of the worst start that way? How does that start? How do you get to be so bad that you're willing to gamble away your rent money, your mortgage money? How does that start? You just wake up that day, I think I'm going to throw my life away? Little by little. And so what does the enemy do? Promises much and always delivers little. There's always a price to pay that you didn't see hidden in the fine print. 
I mean, you, you see, you, there's just so much fine print, you just, you can't even see it with your magnifying glass. There's just so much to pay for going the route of sin. And so, back to 1 John chapter 2. In 1 John chapter 2, John just says flat out, doesn't he, don't love the world. Just don't love it. Don't love the world. Don't love the things in the world. Don't do it. You're not going to benefit. You're not going to grow as a believer. You're not going to find the kind of sold-out commitment to Jesus that Jesus is looking for. And then he describes in verse 16, for all that is in the world. Is that what your Bible says? Is the word all in your Bible? It is. You know what the word all means in the Greek? It means all. All that's in the world. The lust of the flesh. Number one, if you're taking notes, he identifies it for us. The lust of the flesh. This speaks to our physical appetites. Do you know that God has created every man, woman, and child with natural, good, wholesome appetites. Did you know that? Like the appetite of hunger is a very good thing because hunger pangs tend to lead us to bring nourishment to our bodies. And hunger is a good thing. God also created every human being with that desire of thirst, right? To keep your body, to keep my body hydrated, we get thirsty. So we take in liquid. Do you know that God has created every man, woman, and child with a sexual drive that is good? You know, God created sex. He did. It wasn't like Adam and Eve were kind of bored one day in the garden and said, oh, what do you want to do? I don't know. I don't. No, God created sex. And it's very good as it is enjoyed within the context of a marriage. Sex is great. It's good. God created sex. You know, God also put in a, a desire for rest in our bodies because we need rest, huh? I mean, we can't work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We need to rest. And so the lust of the flesh then takes these natural desires and these natural desires get twisted with the works of our flesh so that hunger now can easily become the sin of gluttony where we take in far more than we need. And that thirst, you know, that desire for thirst, it can so easily become, well, it can lead to drunkenness. But we're taking in, satisfying our thirst with things that are going to harm and hurt us. That sexual desire that God's built into everyone, it can easily be twisted and perverted into fornication and adultery. You know, even that desire for rest, that natural inclination for us to rest, could easily become the sin of laziness. And that's what the lust of the flesh does. We'll hear about the lust of the eyes next time when Pastor Ed Taylor returns. In the meantime, while the pressures are real, you can walk in victory as you stay close to Jesus. Thanks for joining us for Abounding Grace. And to hear this study again, stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. I should also mention Abounding Grace is available by podcast and through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, many are wondering right now, are we near the end? We have a resource we'd like to share with our listeners today to help answer that very question. You know, Larry, I'm very grateful to have Don Stewart as a friend, and the book that we're offering this month is entitled 25 Signs We're Near the End. And I have my copy here in my hand, one that Don signed for me personally. I'm so grateful. Uh, he was out teaching here at Calvary not too long ago, encouraging our church and in 25 signs that we're near the end, Don examines what the Bible has to say about the coming events. And, and he's such a genius of a man, but writes in an easy-to-understand way. And he lays out what the Bible says that will happen at the time of the end. So things like the miracle of Israel's survival, 
preparations being made to build the third temple, which, by the way, if you go on an Israel tour with us or with any other church, no doubt you will visit the Temple Institute, where they have all the implements ready for the rebuilt temple to start worship. Right, It's an amazing visit. Well, there are preparations being made right now. Or why is the United States missing from Bible prophecy? On and on it goes. This is a book you really need to get into your hands. Whether you get it through us and support the ministry here at Abounding Grace or you get it on your own, please do get it, read it, and heed the insights that Don shares with us. That's 25 Signs We Are Near the End by Don Stewart. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. This would make for great summertime reading. Call 877-30-GRACE to request this excellent resource today. It's your generous support that helps us come to you each day on this station, so thank you for standing with us in this difficult time. Call 877-30-GRACE, and we can take your resource request. If you'd just like to make a donation to the ministry, that can be done with relative ease online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through the app. We'll pick up where we left off in Romans next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Be blessed. This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You laid down your life That I would be set Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 